Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you, back with Edward Bruce Bynum as we are talking about consciousness and dreams. Is That dream that my friend had where his uh, sister came to him and said, I've got to leave you, and then two days later she dies. How does that happen, Edward? Well, that's... Uh, that- in, in the scientific clinical literature, that's referred to as a precognitive experience, precognition. Mm-hmm. And it happens, it's freaky, uh, most of us uh, uh, don't like it when it happens, um, and it happens very rarely to the overwhelming majority of us, but it still does. Some people, however, are much more open to it than others for lots of reasons that we don't really understand. But that's called precognition. Did it come right? from her or from him? Uh, It was his dream, but where did it come from? That's the question, and to be honest, we don't know. What we do know is that it emerges in a systematic way out of a family system, a family unconscious. So that's that's a study of of PSI. It's called PSI, P-S-I. It's called precognition, and it's similar to what we were talking about earlier in terms of crisis telepathy. Uh, Crisis telepathy happens right now in a crisis here and now. Precognition of necessity is something that usually happens three or four days uh, prior to the actual event in the day-to-day reality. So it's precognition. It's related to another phenomenon that happens in families, too, and it's called PK, or psychokinesis. Uh And that happens uh, under certain circumstances also. And we don't know exactly why, but we know the correlations. And it's very often a situation in which there is a a troubled young adolescent, very often female in the family. And that is when that situation tends to happen, where there's displaced energy in the environment, usually of a malevolent nature. And there are lots and lots and lots of of movies about this, so uh, like Carrie and a few others, that uh, that sort of capitalize on that for... uh, you know, uh, entertainment purposes, which is great, but the, the reality in science is that that is referred to as PK or psychokinesis. It's related to that crisis telepathy, and there's uh, the other one you just mentioned, a precognition. And there's also a softer one called a clairvoyance, and that is hearing voices at a distance, and that is usually in gifted individuals who can do that. So it's a whole field as it emerges within the family system. And that's what I try to, one of the areas I try to address in, in uh, the book, uh, The Dream Life of Families, is how that happens in terms of the pattern recognition. You may not know the exact uh, uh, causes of it, but you can kind of recognize it and predict it because it happens in certain kind of contexts and it repeats itself. It repeats itself, so it's you, kind of like pattern recognition a little bit. Do you think you'll ever get the answer, though, to ascertain where it comes from? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I think the more that we understand families as systems, uh, we will uh, understand uh, not only the pattern itself, but get to the point where we can kind of predict it, you know, and maybe even in a distant future control it. You know, uh, uh, three centuries ago, uh, people used to rub uh, wool over glass, and they'd have sparks come out. Or they'd look up into the sky when it was thundering lightning, and they'd see strokes of lightning coming down and so on and so forth. But at that time, it was like, uh, I was just, wow, what is that, you know? What is it? And finally we got to figure out that that stroking that uh, uh, glass with the wool 
that is produces uh, um, static electricity. That static electricity from static electricity that was eventually combined with magnetism electromagnetism, and eventually got to the point where we could produce electricity. And then from producing electricity, we developed radio, television, radar, on and on and on and on and on. So it begins in a scientific march that way. It's going to be the same with psi. In the distant future, we're going to be able to control these forces and use them for our healing practices. And that is what uh, the Dream Life of Families um, is about. Because, you know... 20%, George, 20% of our dreams have some family member in one way or another. Really. Mm-hmm. Right. 20% of our dreams. and uh, That's a lot. That is a lot. Now, it's not that they, the, the person is sitting there and there's my brother, Richard. No, it's not that. But rather, if you look at your dreams, 20-ish percent of them have some family member in a, in a silhouette or a peer as a memory or whatever. So that's a pretty high level, and if you think about that, and that's happening billions and billions of times, uh, just statistically, you're going to get a, a high percentage of people who have not only family dreams, but dreams in which the phenomenon of, of uh, crisis telepathy, psychokinesis, clairvoyance, precognition occur as a matter of course. And it's just a matter of understanding how that happens and then gradually exercising more and more control over it. I mean, already... Without going into, into paranormal uh, uh, psychic phenomena, already our dreams can predict and do predict illnesses, physical, medical illnesses. Um, they call prodromal uh, dreams, where your unconscious mind picks up that there's something going on in your physical body. In, you, in, in, in the person's body them, the, themselves. In the person's physical body themselves. They're called prodromal dreams. And they are kind of predictive of a later physical illness. And it stands to reason because deep inside, I mean, you know, uh, most of the body is unconscious, and it has to be. I mean, we can't be going around. Well, I, I wonder if there are mechanisms within the body that are telling us this, yes. or yes. if there, again, there's some kind of precognitiveness to it. Uh, nope, nope, it's not precognitive, George. It's not precognitive. It is straight, direct biology. And, uh, and, and, and our conscious mind can pick up on it, and then it eventually makes its way to consciousness. But it begins at a deep unconscious level, and it, they're called prodromal dreams. But they, tell, they predict our physical future health. And uh, they, they, they happen. The scientific community has studied them. We just don't know what to do with it yet because we don't understand enough about it. But the fact that they happen, yeah, they happen. And when, when, when it does happen like this, a lot of people are afraid to go to the doctor because they're afraid of what the doctor's going to tell them. And that's because most of the time the doctor will look at you kindly, and he or she will smile and say, well, we don't know too much about that, and then shift the subject. And so you get the message, don't bring this up. But it occurs. And it is the same thing occurs when a when a, a relative, a friend, or someone who's deceased is passed over into our and they, but they appear in our dreams, because the scientific community and as a whole does not know what to do with it. They tend to just not look at it too closely. But uh, depending on your relationship with the doctor and uh, how open they are to it, they will be uh, they'll know it. I'll give you a, here's a concrete example of this. Here's a real concrete example of this. 50, uh, 30 uh, plus 
or so years ago, if you uh, had a crisis and you went to, you were taken to the hospital and you uh, died, you clinically died, including a, a flat line of your brain, mm-hmm. uh, but the, you were resuscitated, okay, uh, lucky enough to be resuscitated, people often, a large percentage of the time, came back and told of the experience of a, a, a phenomena that they you know, generally were referred to as the afterlife. Yeah, no question about that. Yeah, many, many of whom we've talked to on, on this that's program. Right. You know. That's a near-death experience. Well, what, that would, what they used to do with that was just to sort of dissipate, you know, uh, say, well, that's the effervescence of your brain, well, that's this or that going on, and they would reduce it totally to biochemistry. In the last 30 years or so, the clinical medical community has now changed its position on that, and they say, Yes, that happened. What is it? We don't necessarily know what it is, but we do acknowledge that that has happened. And it stands to reason. You know, we are, um, George, we're conscious. We're conscious before we're born. You know, it's just not... Explain that. Explain that. uh, uh, When consciousness actually first dawns is unclear in the... In the organism as it develops in the mother's womb, again called embryogenesis, uh, like I dealt with in dark, in dark light consciousness. And uh, at a certain point, the, the uh, child in the mother's womb is conscious and aware. It isn't a matter that they, you know, come out of the womb and all of a sudden, boom, they're conscious. No, for a while they've been conscious before that time. When that exactly is, don't know. Different medical, uh, different medical positions, different philosophical positions, different uh, religious traditions have a different uh, uh, point of view of when that first happens. But scientifically, clinically, it is proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that you just don't all of a sudden have a clinical birth and then boom, you're conscious. You're, you're conscious at some time before that. And it's also now clear that you are conscious for some period of time after your physical death. We know that now. How long that is, we don't know. It's called a near-death experience. Um, and it, it occurs, you know, uh, when the, even when the flat line of the brain has been in existence for a while. We know that happens. So you, we are alive for a short period of time, or it could be several months, before we're born, and we are conscious for a certain period of time after we are physically dead. So life and consciousness, I should say consciousness, exists both before we're born for a while and after we're dead for a while. And the great mystery is how far it goes either way. That's right. What's amazing, too, Edward, is the human body is an amazing machine, isn't it? Amazing. Just, we, we, are, we have scratched the surface. We know an enormous amount. But compared to what we will know in 100 years, and perhaps in 100 years, this, this kind of phenomenon will no longer seem strange. And I believe, like, if it's in dark light consciousness, that we're going to get to the point, particularly in certain kind of meditative phenomena, that we are able to recognize that our physical self is one aspect of us in a, in a continuum of consciousness. But our own consciousness, our own most intimate consciousness, is what is the deepest and most uh, 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 longest part of us, and that this physical part, this concrete physical part, is a very real medical, physiological, but compact 
expression of what we are, but that ultimately, ultimately, we are luminous beings. We are luminous beings. And the scientific basis for that now is clear. It's just that it has not reached popular culture yet, and that's what my work is about, of making that uh, clear and uh, having psychology and psychiatry uh, recognize that and accept that on a wider scale, which they're slowly beginning to do, slowly beginning to do. And it will create a revolution in the way that we think about ourselves. What part of this baffles you? The part of it, you know, that most baffles me is how it is that we know this, look at this, have known it for centuries, and still walk away. <laughs> that's the part that's most huh. baffling. It's not the scientific part. That's pretty amazing and, and, and awesome. But the most baffling part of it is how we know this and still sort of like, uh, uh, pass the biscuits, please. What makes some people, though, Ed, more intuitive, more aware of their consciousness, dreaming more than other people? Uh, it is not a it is not a biological phenomenon. It is largely a cultural phenomenon. What we pay attention to, what we pay attention to. If we dismiss it, if we say, "Well, that is just blah da 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 da," then we tend not to pay and look at it, and we 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 say, "Well, it doesn't really matter." That largely eclipses, puts out the light on a lot of phenomena. But See, it's not a biological phenomenon. Some cultures pay attention to their dreams. Others don't pay much attention at all. But it, it doesn't make any difference because every night, everybody dreams. Absolutely. Some of us remember our dreams. Some of us don't remember our dreams. Some of us are fascinated by our dreams. Some of us think it's all uh, just nonsense in the brain's chemistry, mixing stuff up and spitting it out as uh, waste products and trash. See, I would say that just because of the nature of this program that most people who are listening to this show are more tuned in than the other people outside who, oh, do, who don't listen to the show. You agree? I, oh, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, that is the beginning of deeper wisdom. That is the beginning of deeper wisdom, is to recognize intuitively, intuitively, that I am more than my physical self. Most people know that, but they don't quite know how to sort of talk about it. And in dark light consciousness, I give folks a biological, medical, scientific way to talk about that kind of phenomena, how our nervous system is, is structured and created by phenomena associated with uh, uh, biological and neurological processes that have an intimate, intimate affinity for light itself, for quanta. The thing about that neuromelanin we were talking about earlier mm -hmm. is that it, because it's dark, it absorbs light. Quanta, it absorbs light. And not only does it absorb light, it transduces it, it changes it, it alters it to higher and higher and higher levels of organization and complexity. That is what evolution is. We're taking something simple and making it increasingly more complex. That's what happens in our mother's womb. We start off with that little uh, line of energy, and it becomes progressively more complex because it is literally absorbing energy from the universe. It's called a quantum potential. It's called a quantum potential. It absorbs that light that is interconnected throughout the galaxy. It really is. And it concretizes it, and it begins it as the life of an individual. And they go through the mother's genesis in the womb, 
life after and out of the womb, consciousness before birth, mm. and then eventually consciousness after death, and then we return back to the realm of light. Can you train people to tune into this? Yes, you can. Absolutely, yes, you can. And don't let anybody, don't let anybody out there tell you you can't do that. Yes, you can. You can learn how to do that. You can focus your attention inward, and it is a matter of discipline. It is a matter of discipline. This got zilch to do with biology. By the time you are a human being, you can learn how to do this. It's a matter of whether it's it's intelligent, whether it's it's uh, it's something that you want to do. And let's face it, there are a lot of negative vibes we pick up from society and the wider culture that tell us don't look at that. And that's the reason why most people don't look at it, because we get the vibe that you were not supposed to do it. it Absolutely. You know, you, you, it's, it's taboo. It's not illegal. It's not illegal, but it's, it's taboo. And uh, that is one of the final taboos that, that we have as a species, is to, is to self-know ourselves. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.